You are listening to an eight-week teaching series from Jubilee Church entitled, The Lord's Prayer. The invitation from God is not into religion, but a relationship. And like any relationship, communication is vital to its success. This series explores Jesus' response to his disciples' desire to learn to pray. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. We are in a series, an eight-week series at the Lord's Prayer And uh, the first week, we looked at uh, the critical importance of being yourself. Like, when you come to God, we don't have to put on some religious show. In fact, that's counterproductive because ultimately, prayer is communication. And it's communication uh, that it's it's, it's engaging a relationship. So if you come in and you're pretending to be yourself, you're pretending to be somebody else, it will be very difficult for you to receive and feel love from God because you'll always have this thought of he just loves to pretend religious me and he doesn't actually he doesn't actually love me. So he's like, don't be a hypocrite. Don't like, you know, God doesn't, you know, he's not deaf. You don't have to shout. You don't have to do many different words in Babylon. It's just be yourself. And then we looked at like, he's our father in heaven. Like we can pray. This is our father who art in heaven. Holy is your name, prayer, adoration, worship. And then we pray his will. His will is better than our will. And then we want to pray his kingdom to come. You know, we can speak the kingdom, we can demonstrate the kingdom and how we relate to others, uh, but we can really only bring the kingdom, we can only see the, king, the kingdom of God invade our earth through prayer. Prayer is the only way that the kingdom of God, so, so we're at a place where there is no death, where there, there are no tears, where there's, there's, there's an end to all that's evil in the world. We can do that through prayer. So if you're one of those people who don't doesn't think that everything's okay. Like if you're one of these people who think that the world has a few problems and you would like it to be maybe a smidge different, then prayer is your thing, man, because you get to pray God's kingdom to come. We'll pray this perfect reality to invade our imperfect reality. Now today, though, this is week four, and we get to our favorite part of the prayer. It's the gimme part. It's the God, gimme, gimme, gimme. Give me what I want. And, uh, you know, hey, it's not all bad because he asked us to pray this way. He said, pray for your needs. Pray for daily bread. Pray that God meets your needs. It's going to make a difference. If you pray this way, God will meet your needs. We're invited to pray these give me prayers. Now, um, in fact, if you just kind of read on in other parts of scriptures, I mean, Jesus says this and other people say it, that, you know, if you, if you just, the reason why you don't have it, have it is because you don't ask for it. You have not because you ask not. And I'm like, well... I've asked, and I still have not. So, like, you know, what's going on with that? Like, how, you know, it says if we ask, we'll get, and we, we ask, and we don't get. So what's going on there? That's, what I, that's a very important question, and that's what I want to talk to you today. I want to talk about uh, petitionary prayers, or as I said earlier, theologians call it, uh, give me prayers. And we, um, the key principle here, and we need to know, because they work. These kind of prayers really work. If they didn't work, the Bible wouldn't say that. They really do work. But they come with instructions. And the key instruction is the, is the prayer itself. It's the way it's laid out. That we do pray, give me prayers, but they, it comes in the middle. It doesn't come first. It comes in the middle. It comes, um, and what does come first? Well, this is really the key. This is one principle with lots of applications. Is that the way to make this prayer become more of a reality, a living reality for you, is not to start with what you want, but to start first with our Father who is in heaven. And the reason why we start there, as we're, I'm going to lay out here, is that when we pray to our Father, when we come to him first and we pray those, you know, Father, you are in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. As we begin to pray those prayers, we'll receive some things that we lack because we lack confidence in prayer. We lack perspective and we lack humility. So we first come to God. We want to do these things because we need, we need confidence because the Bible, again, makes some astonishing promises about prayer that if you ask, you'll receive. If you knock, uh, he'll open. If you seek, you'll find. And, and um, God, through the book of Romans, through the apostle Paul, in Romans 8 says that he who did not spare his own son, will he not give us all things? And if you read Isaiah 55, Isaiah, excuse me, 65, uh, 55, I'm sure it's great. 65 is amazing. And in, in verse um, 24, God, through the prophet Isaiah, says this, before they, will, before they call, I will answer. Before you even open your mouth. He already knows what you want. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The picture here is a father in heaven with like gifts behind his back, and he's running toward us, and he's just hoping that we ask him for what he has because he wants to give us good gifts. He wants to bestow upon us amazing, amazing things. He knows the desires of our hearts, and he wants to meet those desires. Jesus picks us up when he talks about uh, this. This is another place where the Lord's Prayer ends up is in Luke 11, and he, he says, and just kind of doing some mental logic with us, he's like, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give a serpent, or asks for an egg, will give, it, give you a scorpion? If then you who are evil know how to good give good, good gift, blah, blah, blah. hey boss, how, do you, how much more will that your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit? He will ask, how much more do you have that kind of confidence? Because we, we love to, we love, to, if you have, if you're a parent, you, you, you're part, there's a part of you where your joy is tied up into the joy of your kids. And uh, there's an unsanctified part of that, which we don't have time to get into, but there's a real sanctified part of that. And where does that come from? Where, where does this idea that my joy is wrapped up in the happiness of my kids? Well, I'm made in the image of God. You're made in the image of God. And so he's just saying, if you know how to do this, and you're like junior varsity, and I'm amazing, how much more? How much more? Do you have that kind of confidence? He's just there willing to give you great, amazing gifts. How much more? He's omnipotent, powerful. He's our Father in heaven. He can make things happen. So we can ask bold prayers. He, he wants to give, but he can do something about it. John Newton he says, thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power such, none could ever ask too much. Do you have that kind of confidence? You just walk in him, just big old bold prayers. I can ask him all these things because, man, he's a king. He owns everything. He has all the power in the world. And he loves me. And he's running toward me, ready to good, good, good gifts. Can you do that? Can you walk with that kind of confidence? George Mueller, I've been reading about him lately. Because he's uh, he was um, he did a lot in the area of of serving orphans in England and in, in the area of adoption, and that's something that's uh, import is an important season I think our church is in. And there's a story, um, a true story that actually he didn't record; someone else recorded. Uh, and that is uh, one day, uh, everyone got up, and, and the administrator of the house, this this orphanage that he was running, that had 300 kids in it. Uh, the woman comes in and says, we have a big problem. We have no money and no food, and it's time for breakfast before the kids go to school. 
And so with a big smile, he says, have the kids sit down. I'll be there to bless the food. She's like, okay. And so they go down. Kids sit with with no food in front of them. And he says, okay, we're going to bless the food. And he just prays this confident prayer. And then when he's done, there's a knock on the door. And a beggar comes and says, you know, I was just, I was just up all night. I just, I just had this sense that you could use some bread. Could you use some bread? And so he brought, in these, he brought in this bread that was just enough for 300 kids. And the kids got all really excited. He said, ah, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And there's another knock on the door. And the city milkman was there, and he says, and he was all distressed. He says, I just, my wagon just broke down. And, and, I, and if it's going to spoil, I can't deliver it now anyway, and I'd, I'd rather give it to you than spoil. Could you use some milk? So he put the food down in the milk, and the kids ate. And I just, as I read that story, I was like, that is amazing confidence. That he, he could just say, well, you know, we're going to pray and some things are going to happen. But he said something else. And, and you think, well, how do you get that confidence? Well, he said something else that's really important. This is hanging up in our office. The first and great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day is to have my soul happy in the Lord. How do you get that confidence? You, you have this, because you come to him every day, our Father who's in heaven. Holy is your name. I'm going to get my soul happy in you, happy in you. And we don't just need this confidence. We need a new perspective. That's why we need to see that it's our Father in heaven, and he sees all. It's his will, not my will. And we don't always have perspective. We don't always have perspective. That's why James writes this. He says in James 1, James, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various of kinds. When you, when you, when you lose your job, be happy. When you, when you ask out that girl and she slams the door in your face, be happy. When you do something stupid again and lose a bunch of money, be happy. When life isn't going the way you want, be happy. Well, that makes sense. Well, it doesn't make sense, which is why he says, well, if you lack wisdom. See, if you, if you don't encounter every trial, every circumstance with joy, if every circumstance you don't have a deep-seated confidence in the goodness of God, and this is only for my good, you lack wisdom. So just ask for it. You lack perspective. So we need to pray. So when we have needs, so we, we, uh, we, we need a job, we need relate, we need certain things before we get to the God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. We need to come to him and, and say, our Father, you're in heaven. I, I forgot. I forgot how wonderful you are. I forgot how awesome you are. I forgot how, what a good father you are. And you begin to worship him. You begin to uh, allow him. In fact, sometimes when he changes your perspective like that, like you even drop the request. Like I don't know if you've ever been in those situations where you've just been praying like you, you, want, a, you want a job promotion. And you just went, God, you know, you get God. You know, God, I just come to you, Lord. I just, man, you're awesome. You're love. You've always been so good to me. You've always taken care of me. You've never, you've never let me down. You're, you're in heaven. You're, you know, I want your will, and I, I want you, I want your name to be glorified through me. In fact, you know, like whatever job I have. In fact, I don't even care about this job. I just want you to be glorified. Romans eight says we don't even know how to pray. We just don't even know how to do it. Like we don't. We come to prayer, and, we, and we're like clueless. That's what the Bible says about us, that we have no idea. We lack perspective. See, your issue isn't that you've been dealt a bad deck. 
The issue isn't that you have your circumstances are all wrong. The issue is the wisdom or the perspective or the lack of perspective you have. So if you just write, you don't know what tomorrow, you don't know what the next second is going to be. The only thing that you know is what you think will happen tomorrow based on these circumstances. God knows what will happen tomorrow. You don't have perspective. You need perspective. Well, where do you get it? Well, you just, just ask for it. James 1, if you read on there, it says ask for it. So why, why do we lack this kind of perspective? Um, when, I remember when we first got it, when we got our first house, uh, my wife Rachel um, and I, and when we got our first house, it, it meant that we got our first washer and dryer. Uh, and even though it was used, it was heaven. Um, because when you're used to walking up and down, we were in an apartment complex, when you're used to walking up big flights of stairs with baskets of laundry down into some, you know, damp basement to do your laundry and, you know, you had these pocket, we had these pocketfuls of, I had these pocketfuls of, I need like an industrial belt to hold my pants up because it's so many quarters and just like you're walling around and, and so when you get your first uh, washer and dryer, you feel like the, the Jeffersons, you know, you finally got a piece of the pie and you, um, so anyway, when we got this washer and dryer, I'll never forget the first time I heard what sounded like somebody knocking on our basement door with a jackhammer, right? And so we lived in an okay but not the best neighborhood, but Rachel wouldn't let me have a gun. And so we, I grabbed the, the thing that I could see first, which was a picture off the wall. So I'm armed with this picture frame and uh, to go meet my attacker with a jackhammer. And so we... So I get there, and I see something even scarier than a, an attacker. I see this washing machine with a life of its own and, like, knocking over furniture and smoking. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, and I need more quarters because i got to buy a, a new washer. And so should have kept those. And, but thankfully, I didn't have to buy a new washer. And those of you who own a new washer know where I'm going with this. Is I, that was the day I learned that during the spin cycle, if the laundry isn't centered... It just all messes up, especially if you're doing towels. Like, never do towels and sheets at the same time, by the way. Little, I'm going to write that down. Um, so you, the laundry had to be, and so what, what happens in prayer, we come to prayer, and like, our prayer life is just, it's, it's noise, it's just, it's, it's, it's all a mess. And the reason why it's all a mess is because it's off-center. Why are you in despair? Why is your life in despair? Maybe there's something in your life that's more beautiful to you than God. Why are you anxious? Maybe, maybe you think your wisdom is greater than his wisdom. If you can't forgive someone because they hurt your reputation, maybe the center of your world is your reputation. Maybe you need to recenter the laundry of your life. You need a realignment. Unless you can come to him and say, no, you're, you're in heaven, I'm not. Okay, you, you're the one who put this in. I didn't, I didn't do this. You're, you're in heaven. Your kingdom is better. Your will is better. I don't even know how to pray as I ought. Unless you can come to him with that perspective and allow him to decenter those things and understand the reason why you're worried, the reason why you're anxious is because you lack this worship of God, this adoration of God. You forgot. You're, you, and, and that's what happens when you, when you pray, our Father who art in heaven, when you, when you worship first, this is why we organize our service, services around, we worship first. 
We need to come in here and, you know, before we do anything, we got to get our perspective right. We got to get our worship right. And then we, 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 we say, oh God, I forgot how wonderful you are. I forgot how amazing you are. I forgot how loving you are. And oh yeah, yeah, if you want to give me another job, that's fine. He just, he, he just, he does that for you. I mean, that happened last week. We were praying. Um, for those who don't know, we, our location out in Kirkwood is, is, um, been, um, is trying to buy a building or find a building and buy it. They got to find it before you can buy it. And, um, and we, we, one of the, and so it was on the prayer agenda last week to pray for a building. And, uh, you really, if you're on the setup team out there, cause you get up early and put, set this stuff, you really pray harder for, for a building. <laughs> And uh, we start praying for a building, and, and one of the setup guys started praying. I'm like, I know where this prayer is going. This is like, God, give us a building and do it before Sunday because I got a shift, and I don't, you know. But he starts praying. He starts praying, and he starts praying, you know, God, you know, we, you know, we, want, we want a place where, you know, your name can be lifted up and where people can be reached and people can worship you, and we... We want to be a. We want to find a place where your your presence is. In fact, God, we don't even. If your presence isn't going to be in in this place, we don't want. We're happy to be in Nifer. We just want to be around you. And and all of a sudden, as he's praying, his his whole perspective shifted from I really want a building to I don't even care about building. I just really want to be with you. I just want to be in a place where your presence is. And perspective comes into his life. What was ultimate, a good thing. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have put it on the prayer agenda if I didn't think it was a good thing. But it shifted to be like, okay, that's a good thing, but it's not an ultimate thing. God's an ultimate thing, and we need that. We need that. We need a healing of perspective, which takes humility, which takes humility. You know, prayer is coming to a father who is in heaven. Prayer is not coming to a genie in a bottle. For those who are parents, know their kids think they know what they're doing, but they really don't. They think what they know what's best for them, but they really, really don't. Here's a thought experiment. Um, what would be more awful, destructive, and dangerous if a five-year-old got exactly what he wanted? What if a five-year-old found a little genie in a bottle, and you saw this five-year-old start to rub the lamp, and the genie came out? What would you do? You would run as far as you possibly could. <laughs> what about a 10-year-old? Is it safe? Is, is, it, is it okay for a 10-year-old to get everything that they ask for? What about a 15-year-old? No 15, nobody has a 15-year-old in here or you'd be horrified. 15-year-old. What about a 20-year-old? Now, when you're 20, man, you got it together, right? Like, you got life by the tail, you know what's what. If I had a genie in the bottle in my early 20s, there's a, a woman that I wanted to have fall in love with me, and I would, it would have been the wrong one. If I had a genie in the bottle in my early 20s, I would have married the wrong woman. I would have moved to the wrong city. I would have done anything, and I mean anything, except be a pastor. I am grateful 
that I don't have a genie in a bottle, but I have a Father in heaven who edits my prayer. He edits. I, I know, you see, because there's a difference between what we request. Good parent knows this about their kids. There's a difference between what our kids request and the interpretation of that request or the interpretation of that need, which is the request. And what I mean by that, so say a, a kid has, is bored. They have a need. They're bored. They, they want something to do. So, Daddy, can we throw knives at each other? No. The answer is no. I will not give you your interpretation of your need. I will meet your need. So let's go. Play, let's throw around the baseball. Let's do that. There's there's a there's a difference between what we what we think we want and we know we want. So there's a, there's a difference there. So I'm glad that God didn't give me a genie in a bottle. They gave me a father in heaven to love me. But that's 20. What about when you're 25? Any better? I look back at 25. I was, I was an idiot then too. <laughs> about 35. I'm the, I was an idiot when I was 35. 42. I'm still an idiot. <laughs> the point of all this is we're, you're always an idiot. And <laughs> that's, what the, that's what the Bible says. And... <laughs> It does. So if you're offended, if you're offended by this analogy between, you know, your child, um, the Bible paints a worse picture because the Bible says that you're a sheep. It says that 400 times. You know why it says that 400 times? Because we're sheep. (laughs) We don't get on it. We don't, we don't, we don't pick things up very quick. You see, a sheep, if you don't know about sheep, if you don't know about sheep, you really don't know about yourself. A sheep, a sheep will just run, I mean, they're known just to run right off a cliff. A, a, a sheep doesn't know how to find its own food. You can't train like, you could, like a dog, like, you know, come here, boy, it won't, doesn't do that. A sheep can see the fold and still will not know how to walk back to the fold. The shepherd has to go find the sheep, pick the sheep up. That's why you see those pictures, you know, Jesus holding the lamb, because that's a common picture with a shepherd. Let's come and bring it back. Sheep are obstinate. They are absolutely dependent creatures. And that's the way we are. We, don't, we think we know, but we don't know. And that's just not true on in the individual level. It's on the, I mean, how many times have you, like, eaten something because last week they said it would help you fight disease to only realize it's a cause of cancer? And then, like, you eat something. Like, everything causes cancer and doesn't and helps cancer at the same time. I don't, can't figure that one out. Or, like, you know, you, they go and... You know, there's a time in our history where they thought, like, building, building things with asbestos was a good idea. It's not, it's not a good idea if you don't know what asbestos is, by the way. You know, update my illustrations. Okay, like, check this one out, too. This is fun. More doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette. It's a little Don Draper ad there for you. So they, there was a time where they thought smoking was... Like, actually, there was a time where doctors... There's a, doctors came out and said that you should not exercise. It was bad for your heart. Where are they now? They're not here, are they? <laughs> we, we, we think we know, but we don't know. We don't, I, I'm glad that we don't have a genie in the bottle, but we have a father in heaven 
Good parents know the difference between a child's need and a child's interpretation of that need. Josie, she wants a snack before bed. Sometimes she'll say, I want to, can I have a half a chocolate cake? No, you, no, you can't have half a chocolate cake, not now, not ever. Uh, but you can have an apple. You have a need. You're hungry. A chocolate cake, you, you think you want that, but you don't. Now, here's, here's what sometimes she'll do. If I can't have a chocolate cake, I don't want anything. You ever hear something like that? We do that too, you know that, with God. I have a need for security. If I can't have that person as my spouse, if I can't have that person as my significant other, God, what what good are you? God answers our requests, but not our interpretation of our need. Apostle Paul, he, he kind of had the same thing. He, uh, he prayed in, in 2 Corinthians 11. He had this, he called it a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that is exactly, but he called it, he said, a thorn in the flesh. It doesn't sound comfortable. And what he, what he, he pleaded three times, God remove this thorn, because the reason why he wanted them to remove the thorn is because he wanted to be more effective. He said, he said I, want, I need to be more powerful. I want to be more effective. And so he says, God, remove this thorn for me. Get rid of this weakness, God, so I can be more powerful. What did God say? God said, my power is perfected in your weakness. You think you'll be more powerful if I remove the thorn. You will be more powerful if I keep the thorn. See, I know people who've like, who, who've, who've prayed they wanted um, a, a job promotion because they wanted more security in their life. Say, God, give me, give me, give me this job promotion. Give me the job promotion. Two weeks later, they get fired. And they go through a season, uh, kind of this sometimes called a desert season. They drew close to God, and they found more security in their life than they've ever would have imagined they ever would have found. God, he wouldn't have said this at the time, but God answered his prayer. But he didn't answer the interpretation of the need. He answered the actual need, which was security. So he didn't give him the job he wanted, but he gave him more security. Jesus, in a, when he's in the garden, says, so check out what it says in Hebrews 5. In the days of his flesh, this is the time in speaking of the time in the garden, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. So he was going, he had this confidence, if I go to God, God will, he wants to give me good things. So he had this confidence, he says he was able to save me from death. And this is what it says about Jesus, and he was heard because of his reverence. Now, if you just kind of read that casually, you think, well, yeah, you know, the father heard Jesus, That's, that makes sense. But did he, did he hear him? Because what happened to him the next day? He was beaten. And according to Isaiah 53, it was the Lord's will to crush him. But it says that he he was heard. See, Jesus took this request. And he said, Father, not my will, but yours. Confidence in prayer, perspective 
and utter humility. And you would have thought that that prayer fell on deaf ears, but that because he was willing to let that request die, there was a resurrection that brought life. And that'll happen with you as you come to God. Say, God, I don't even know what to ask for. This is what I think I want. This is what I think I need. But not my will, but yours. And you take that kind of you take that kind of confidence, that kind of perspective, that kind of humility. It's amazing things will happen. You need to come with him with a healed perspective. And you need to have radical humility, knowing that he's a benevolent father. And humility is one of the greatest allies, not just in your prayer, but in your life. And I'll say this. When, I'm, when, when Rachel and I, my wife, when we, um, when we think about our kids' requests, one of the the, the, the one, we have three kids, one, the one who understands and embraces their childness the, the most, like the one who doesn't resist our redirecting of their request, the one that understands that they are our child and we are the parent, actually is the most mature. I'll say it this way. The more childlike you are in life, the less childish you are. The more childlike you are, the more childish, the less childish you are, I should say. What do we call it when kids get everything they ask for? What do we call that? Spoiled. Spoiled. Do you? We don't, you don't eat things that are spoiled. Spoiled in the dictionary means to damage severely or harm especially in reference to its value and usefulness. We don't, we don't give everything we, to our kids because it will spoil them. It will harm them. It will damage them severely. How, if you know anyone who's spoiled, how, how do they get on with in life when they turn 18 and 25 and 35? Are they like, do they have life by the tail? Are they mature? It doesn't work out well for them. God doesn't want to harm you. The more childlike you are, the more childlike you are, the more you understand that you're the child and he's the father, the more childlike you are, the less childish you are. There's a relationship there. You can be childlike or you can be childish in your thinking when it comes to prayer. Let's check it. This is the iconic prayer, and we're almost done here, but let me show you this. Psalm 23. Psalm 23, look at this, the Lord is my shepherd, there it is again, this is David understanding that he's his sheep, he's in need of a shepherd, I'm a child, I'm in need of a parent, he, he, he gets it, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, now that's amazing, how would you like to wake up every day and not have a want, because that's what we want, right, what we want is we don't want to have a want. We don't want to have a want. We, we want to know that all of our needs are met. Well, how do you get there? How do you get to the place where you know all your needs are met? Well, you need to know that you have a Father in heaven who loves you. Or as David says in this prayer, the Lord is my shepherd. And then he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. I mean, you can lie down or you can be made to lie down. I mean, this, he makes him lie down. He leads him. He guides him, restores his soul. Let's go to the next page. 
And then check this out. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know that stick that you used to hit me with? It has a little hook on it, and you grab me by the neck and pull me in. That comforts me so much. (laughs) The more childlike you are, the less childish you are. Let me show you how the prayer ends. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days. How many here feel that way? You want to feel, I mean, I want to feel that way. I want to wake up knowing that I, I, sh- I have no wants, and I have utter confidence that whatever is around the corner is goodness and mercy, regardless of circumstances, regardless of circumstances, wisdom. One last thing as we close. Notice that Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. He doesn't say, give us quarterly bread or monthly bread or weekly bread, daily bread. We said this in the beginning, that Jesus isn't just teaching us about prayer. He's teaching us about life. And he's saying our entire life needs transformation. That because we are utterly dependent upon him for everything. None of this works unless we have this place of dependence. So if you go out, if you go out in the world thinking like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to get my daily bread uh, and every once in a while I need God to kind of chip in, you're absolutely missing the point. Like I'll get my daily bread and when I get in a rut, I'll ask God to come and help me out. At the end of the day, our level of prayer is an indicator of where we get our bread. Is God, do you, are you getting your daily bread? Is that, is, are you doing that? What do you need? Let me ask you that question. What do you need? Do you need rest? Do you need vacation? Do you need a better job? Do you need stronger family life, career success, education, entertainment? Netflix is, I've seen everything on Netflix twice. So, you know, I need some entertainment. Do you need a spouse? Or do you need God? Where are you getting your daily bread? Maybe you've never expressed your dependence on God. Maybe you've like, you know, you, you've, you've always thought of yourself as a pretty good person and just kind of added this like religious layer to your life, but you've never really depended upon him daily for your security, your significance, for everything that you need. You know, Jesus in, in John 6, he was talking about daily bread there too, and he said there was a, he talked about this time in the, the history of the Israelites where God, where, where manna fell from the sky, it was a total miracle, and they ate bread every day, they ate this bread every day, but they ate this bread every day and they still died. And then Jesus says, I have a bread that if you eat of every day, you'll live. Have you ever received that bread? Have you ever said, God, I need you for everything? Not just to be a slice of my life, but I depend on you. I, depend, I am a sheep. I am a child. Or maybe you have declared your dependence on God, but you're not really living that out. How do you know if you're really living that out? Well, what's your prayer life like? How are you praying? Is it, is it a priority? Is prayer something that you do on a regular basis, or is prayer something you do when you get around to it? Or if you really want something. Childlike people know their need for God. Childish people don't. 
they live in a world where they think that what they want is what they need. What they ask for is what they need. And really, God should be more like a genie in a bottle and not a father in heaven. God loves you too much not to edit your request. All, it, all you need to do is just look back to yesterday to know that that's not true. Forget five years ago or ten years ago. But yesterday, last week, God loves you 